You're listening to episode 194 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. I have to jump right in and say, today's guest already gets the MVP award for the most patient guest. During our recording, the power went out, and while we could have started from scratch and tried another day, this week's guest graciously waited for technology to sort itself out, and we effortlessly jumped right back into our conversation. In fact, I doubt you'll even be able to notice where we got cut off. I mean, it was that seamless. The whole reason I share that this even happened, of course, is not only to give our guests some major props, but to also highlight the fact that life happens. And with a little grace and patience, you can move forward from a less than desirable situation with ease. Okay, now with that being said, I guess I should introduce the saint of a woman. (laughs) Donna Hughes is an award-winning negotiator and founder of Launch Negotiation. She is passionate about empowering others to harness their innate negotiation potential, and her company, Launch Negotiation, delivers world-class negotiation skills workshops across Europe and North America. Before you meet Donna, let's share the review of the week. This one was on Apple Podcasts, and I love that it's actually from one of our year two podcast guests, Sophia Wise One. It reads, Lauren gives it all and pulls out the best. Five stars. Thank you, Sophia, and thank you to everyone who leaves a five-star rating and review. To have your review featured, simply leave one on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or similar. Are you ready to meet Donna? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hi, Donna. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. You know, my interest peaked with the first line of your bio where it states that you're an award-winning negotiator because... Hello. How cool is that? (laughs) But before I unleash all of my many questions on you, I'd love to just learn more about you and your journey. What led you to this profession and passion? Great question. So, you know, to clarify, so I'm a negotiator and, you know, I, I specialize in empowering women to see themselves as negotiators and embrace opportunities for negotiation in their life. So fast forward back, you know, kind of 10 years ago, I never saw myself as a negotiator. I didn't really resonate with that tra- traditional portrayal, you know, the big shoulder pads and the fist slamming on the table. <laughs> right. um, so I, I worked corporately, but I had the chance to go on a negotiation course. And that was the first time I kind of dipped my toes in the pond of negotiation, so to speak. And I started to realize that it was something that you didn't have to be aggressive. You didn't have to, you know, I didn't really have to stray from my natural personality type, but I could still be really effective in negotiation and for me it was about using emotional intelligence and taking the time to actually understand the priorities of the other party and that was something that was very natural to me in terms of using that emotional intelligence and really understanding and trying to empathize with the other person's perspective so that kind of set off a, a light bulb moment for me in terms of oh this is maybe something that I could uh, I could specialize in that I would enjoy but I still didn't see myself as a negotiator, so to speak, on a day-to-day basis. And there was one day that I was watching my very young niece. She was only, I think, two, two years old at the time or two or three years old, just saying her first few words. And I watched her negotiate with her 
grandfather for some cookies before mm -hmm. dinner time. <laughs> you know, as children are, they're very, very, very resilient. So uh, after being told she couldn't have cookies before dinner time, she went, then went on to ask her father if she could have cookies before dinner time. And ultimately, you know, from going from you can't have any cookies, she managed to walk away with three cookies before <laughs> dinner. And, you know, for me, it was this kind of light bulb moment where it took me back to what I'd learned. And I thought, my goodness, when we're younger, we embrace negotiation and all the opportunities it presents. And that could just be an episode of Paw Patrol or a later yeah. bedtime. But we see life as negotiable. And then I reflect upon where I was in my life. And even though I had some fantastic achievements to my name, I still hadn't really seen myself as a negotiator. I hadn't advocated for myself in a corporate environment. And it really made me reflect upon this gap that we have especially as women where we're socialized to uh, conform to kind of communal roles where you're very comfortable being assertive when it's negotiating for others but when it comes to negotiating for yourself we tend to be far less assertive and far less comfortable self-advocating and so that's really what what inspired the formation of my business was recognizing that we have this innate ability that we all show at a very young age but over time we we tend to be socialized out of that and it's just reigniting that spark again that we all have and showing how we can use negotiation in our day-to-day -day life as leaders as mothers as daughters in whatever role that we hold there's a place for negotiation to, to get that life that we really deserve Wow. There is so much to unpack here. Like I wish you could just see my face because I'm just smiling like ear to ear right now because you hit on so many amazing points. But let's just start at what I think is the most basic because I talk about it all the time and I think almost every guest we have on hits on it in some way. Childhood. And the fact that your niece was able to talk and negotiate her way um, into having that, you know, those cookies, that's amazing because I see it in my youngest daughter all the time. She is a master negotiator. So where have you noticed that like it kind of falls off or where do we lose this confidence of what you said of advocating for ourselves? Because I love that that's how you phrased it because the end of the day that's really what it is right so where do we kind of lose this absolutely I mean I think there's a few things that point to it. I think it largely comes down to how we're socialized and you know I must mention the gender difference there in terms of you know gender schemas and how young girls are socialized very differently from young boys so young girls are socialized into these communal roles where it's looking after your family and putting others needs before your own whereas conversely for young boys it's about having agentic roles where you're advocating for yourself and that leads to this honest overconfidence where you know we, we've seen the studies where you know children will come from a maths exam and they'll ask the young girl you know how do you think you did and she'll say oh I don't really think I did very well and they'll ask the same question to the boys and they'll say I did brilliant and then they'll look at the results and by far you know on occasions there's been young girls have surpassed the, their peers their male peer yeah. scores but they've just had that lack of confidence so it starts at a really young age in all honesty a lot of the parents that I talk to as well will have these conversations think oh gosh you know when they ask for something I usually deter them because I think they're being cheeky or I think they're being greedy yeah, yeah. and don't get me wrong kids are often very extreme in how they start their <laughs> negotiations you know yeah. I want a million dollars that type of thing but in essence they're really you know what I admire about children is for options that they're presented they're seeing other possible solutions and um, another example I can give you from my niece she's you know the most fearless negotiator I've ever come across so Love I'm it. <laughs> But I remember, you know, she was very young again and her dad asked her, okay, you're ready for your, you know, glass of milk before bed. Would you like it hot or would you like it cold? 
and she straight away turned around and said I would like it warm and I just thought it was amazing that this these two very binary options that were giving to her and straight away she she was able to calculate neither of those meet my needs but hey here's this third option I know you can do it because it's the middle ground but it's going to make my life much better <laughs> right and, you know it's one of those observations for me that I think gosh if you're comfortable negotiating the temperature of milk <laughs> imagine if you carried that um type of approach and that type of uh, mindset of viewing life as negotiable through to your adulthood if when you're given those two options even if it's very trivial if you were able to present a third one that works much better for you and how much that would compound over the course of your lifetime um so yeah i think there's a the number of different things that we get socialized out of and i don't think it's always consciously yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought that up of the different genders. I was just in a mastermind group yesterday and, and we were discussing how as women in thirties and forties and fifties, you know, we were, we were spanning over a couple decades and ages of just how you, it's almost like taught for us not to ask for the promotion. Like there's mm -hmm. always that glass ceiling, right? Whereas like men, it's like limitless. They're like, okay, after this, then I'm going to get the promotion and then I'm going to do that. And it's, almost something that we've had to break. And that makes sense to me of coming back to this confidence piece in childhood. So like you were actually able to kind of bridge that, that gap for me of well, where does this come from, you know, type of thing. So that is really interesting, but let's talk about the emotional intelligence piece of this, because that just like goes light bulbs off for me. <laughs> How do you know? Cause some people, I think that confidence piece, lacks, right? Because it sounds like in all of this advocating for yourself and negotiating, there is a huge confidence factor in this. But what if you're not confident when it comes to negotiating or what we had kind of discussed before that setting boundaries or mm -hmm. just even knowing what that third option could be and what you're truly comfortable with and speaking up about that? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the biggest barriers that we face in all honesty is, again, we're very comfortable advocating for others, but when it comes for ourselves, there's other factors like imposter syndrome that come into play mm, where yeah. we start to question our own worth. And, you know, for me, the reason it's so important to negotiate and to, you know, view life as negotiable is so often when, when there's confidence, it's viewed as synonymous with competence. So in a corporate environment, if someone's asking for those opportunities, often that confidence is viewed as, oh, they're the most competent for the role and therefore they should be awarded that opportunity. And I think both as um, individual performers, but also as leaders, we be, need to be very conscious of how we are distributing opportunities, how we're distributing pay rises, because if it's purely for those that ask, that might be underserving for those that have less confidence, but might be very, very competent in the role. In terms of the, the women that I work with, one of the main things I do to build the confidence in negotiating is really breaking down how you can use negotiation in your life. And it really varies for any person that I speak to, whatever roles that you hold, whether you're a mother, daughter, leader, sister, whichever roles that you hold, there is room for negotiation within those roles. And so by just taking it day by day and viewing life as negotiable, and I should clarify by negotiation, I just define it as a conversation aimed at reaching an agreement. It doesn't have to be a financial conversation. It doesn't have to be a high stakes conversation. It's just a conversation where you're trying to reach an agreement with someone. And suddenly when you use that definition, life becomes negotiable. So whether it's what you're going to have for dinner, whether it's who's going to do the dishes, all these very basic conversations that we have day in, day out, 
if we start to recognize them as negotiations, we can begin to practice some of the techniques and build our confidence up so that when you go for these really high stakes conversations like salary negotiations, like wedding vendor negotiations, like house negotiations, you have that confidence because you've practiced it on a daily basis for years and years. That makes sense. And it seems like just doing those small little repetition of, like you just said, choosing what's for dinner, even, you know, like with your spouse, (laughs) that can then build up to something. Because when I think negotiation, this is where my brain automatically goes, is sitting in a um, a car dealership with like mm-hmm. a salesperson and automatically it just takes me back to the last time I bought a car. It was a couple years ago, but they were trying to get me to, of course, spend more than I wanted to. And of course the sales tactic was, well, do you buy a soda or a coffee? Because if you don't buy a soda or coffee every day, you know, that then it works up to this. And in my head, I'm like, well, I don't buy a soda or <laughs> coffee every, you know, but, but then it like makes me think and it, it made me retract a little bit. And then boom, next thing you know, I was sitting there signing the paper for the price I automatically didn't want and then kicking myself later for it, Mm -hmm. right? So like the confidence there was lacking one because I'm not a car person. I was out of my out of my element, really. Um, But also they were throwing these like sales tactics at me that I didn't know how to dodge. So when you're talking negotiation, that's just like where my mind goes to automatically without even thinking of, yeah, we negotiate on these small levels every single day. So one of the things I'm really passionate about is changing the face of negotiation. And by that, I mean challenging some of these really horrible stereotypes that we have about negotiation, that you have to be aggressive, that one person can win and the other person has to lose. And one of the ways I'm doing that is just showing how we can use negotiation in our lives every single day. And so something I've really enjoyed over the last eight weeks or so has been an Instagram campaign that I've launched called hashtag this is what a negotiator looks like. And each week I showcase incredible women from around the world who are using negotiation in their daily lives. And you name it, we've featured them anywhere from, you know, engineers and Zumba instructors through to entrepreneurs, artists, authors, um, women showing how they use negotiation every single day. And, you know, when I say negotiation, I'm not talking about these high stakes conversations. I'm talking about everyday conversations you can have about negotiation. Mm -hmm. A feature that I had from a money coach was the suggestion to call your car insurer at the moment if you're not using your car as much during COVID and she mentioned how she saved $400 of her annual car policy by reducing the mileage these are you know everyday conversations that we can have that generate huge amounts of value and you know for me I often share a lot of my experiences I had a number of flights cancelled this year as a result of COVID Mm -hmm. Um, I was due to go back to the UK and a lot of the airlines were saying absolutely no problem we'll give you um, credit or we'll give you air miles and you can use them by the end of this year But for me, it's a question mark over whether I'll be able to fly this year at all. And so instead of, you know, automatically taking the first offer they gave me, I had a phone call with them and I got a full refund, which again, wasn't advertised on the website, wasn't publicly available. But again, by viewing these situations as negotiable, you can start to have conversations, you can show empathy over the phone and you can get the outcome that works for you as well. And that's something I'm really passionate about is encouraging people to view life as negotiable and view situations where you might feel like a refund's not on the table and really challenging that that stereotype, challenging 
um, the first offer that you get, just as my niece did with the warm or cold milk, uh, the hot or cold milk scenario, having that same attitude where you're not just taking the first offer, um, but you're you know, you viewing negotiation as a process of discovery and a way to see what other options might be available. Mm, I love that. Do you have any like good segues as to how we can kind of, I think for me where I would get tripped up is, is there like a good starting line when you're approaching a company or actually this isn't going to work for me or you know what I mean? Like to kind of break yeah. the ice as to your first offer wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the, the biggest things, especially for say salary negotiations and, and particularly what I find is when we go for a salary negotiation, we're usually caught off guard in the first instance you know we're asked during a job interview what our salary expectations are and we typically tend to anchor on our previous salary but really our new job that we're going for is likely going to have very different responsibilities than our old job and often going to be a promotion or some you know additional responsibility there and so really your previous salary should bear no relation into the salary expectations for the new role instead the salary expectations for the new role should relate to the responsibilities that you're about to take on and what I find, you know, in certain parts of the US now, I know certain states are banning the question, what's your previous salary for that exact reason, so that you can't be lowballed with your initial offer based upon if you're underpaid in an existing role, and that trend continues. So what I would say is, you know, my recommendation for any women going for, or any person going for salary negotiations is doing the market research on what a competitive offer looks like for the industry that you're going into. And then instead of saying, you know, I think I'm worth or I was looking for more around this range you can say similar roles are you know are, are paying this amount and therefore it takes you out of the equation it's not a personal evalu evaluation that you're doing of your own worth it's an objective evaluation based upon other competing organizations in the industry mm. and you know I, I'd recommend that approach I'd also say when we think of negotiation, you tend to think of the person speaking a lot and dominating the conversation. But the person that really holds the most power in a negotiation is the person that listens, the person that really actively listens. And by that, you know, someone that immerses themselves in the conversation, they're taking account of the nonverbal communication alongside the verbal communication. And instead of simply hearing where when someone's talking to you, you're planning your dinner for that evening or what Netflix series you're going to watch next or even just planning your next answer you're taking time to really view if the words the person's saying is consistent with their body language and by having that active listening approach you can pick up on so much extra information during the conversation that can then inform your next question that you ask them mm. and again you know by, by using open questions they're such a powerful tool to get the information you need to then come back with a counter proposal as well yeah. And what is a good counter proposal? Like, does a good counter proposal have like a, an A, B, C, and D? Like, it must have these things part of it? Or, <laughs> or, or is it just whatever feels good to you type of thing? I think it's really important ahead of any type of negotiation to take time to reflect upon what's important to you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned salary negotiations. That's a conversation a lot of people approach me with. And what I always say is what is important to you aside from salary? Because there's so many other components to a job offer besides salary. Mm -hmm. And what's important to you might not be the same as what's important to me. And so it's making sure that you're not using, I guess, societal norms in terms of, okay, these are things I should care about. And instead focusing on the 
you what is particularly important is it flexibility in your working day is it investment in learning and development is it the job title because in three years time you want to be director so you need this certain word in your job title now to get you on that path mm. whatever is important to you um, it's it's important that you have that consideration ahead of a negotiation and then you take time during the negotiation to understand what's important to the other person and then when you're cultivating that proposal that counter offer you can take both into consideration so for example if they couldn't meet you where you need to be on salary you could say something that's really important to me is that my job title reflects the the magnitude of my responsibilities because i'm in a leadership position uh you know the preference of mine is, would be to have the word director reflected in my job title um you know whatever's important to you making sure that you're capturing that and you're not getting stuck on that one variable but you're starting to look at other solutions again the um the warm milk not just the hot or cold milk the right on the table right that is such that's something i didn't even consciously think of too because let's say okay, they're pretty firm in the salary, but do you have some like room on vacation or paid time off or other things that may kind of make up for, I would say, you know, maybe where it wouldn't be your ideal money wise, but can you, can you get something else out of it that still feels good? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Well, that was such great tips. Okay. So let's go back to this. I like the whole cold milk, warm milk, hot milk <laughs> thing. And because kids have obviously shown that they're a little relentless and they're negotiating when you're talking to, we'll say specifically mothers, mm -hmm. um, is there anything that you can do to kind of encourage them to keep their kids negotiating, to keep that confidence going so that, you know, we're not women who are kind of having to learn how to renegotiate later in life? Absolutely. I think it's encouraging the behavior. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm not saying you should encourage your child if they're asking for a million dollars to a local <laughs> right. dish, child, you should right. lead to those negotiations. But I think it's worth having the conversation you know, at a really young age. I, you know, I know for me, the gender pay gap really caught me by surprise. And it really mm. shouldn't have, but it was at university that I first became aware of it. But in terms of you know the importance of negotiating, it was far too late that I realized that. And what I would say is it's really important to have these conversations from the early stage even if you think of your child whether it's a boy or a girl their first job that they might have especially if it's something like babysitting and you know reflecting on my own experience I know that I was working far below minimum wage yeah. <laughs> and, you know it sounds like a very basic example but again you know a huge part of negotiation is recognizing what your best alternative is if you don't reach an agreement and also what the other person's best alternative is right. and just going back to like a, a babysitter sitting scenario I remember when I was babysitting for neighbors I was paid in snacks and you know eventually graduated to maybe a couple of dollars an hour and you know thinking back in terms of having a reliable babysitter in terms of having someone that could they could have peace of mind when they go out for the evening in terms of having someone so close and also knowing their parents were next door as well I had a lot to offer right um and so you know thinking of what their alternative would have been you know I don't think they would have ever approached an adult and said can I pay you two dollars an hour to babysit for me so okay. you know when they when they ask me how much do you want to be paid I just think of a number again like my previous salary or how much do I get paid for washing the car that's my alternative alternative whereas you know i think there's these really early conversations that we can have and it might be trivial the amount of money that you're talking but if you can get your children into the habit of recognizing their worth and for advocating for that that's so important and that that's something they can carry through once they finish um, school once they finish college or university and 
you know, the gender pay gap emerges straight from that first role, especially after university, there's an 8% gender pay gap. So making sure that both your sons and your daughters are aware of this and the role that they can play to advocate for the other women in their life to negotiate for their worth uh, and advocate for that is really, really important. And there's, you know, really no age too soon that you can have that conversation. Mm, I love that. And advocating for yourself is so important. Like it is so important. And part of that, which you and I kind of talked on is setting boundaries. So where do boundaries and negotiation kind of come hand in hand together? I think they come hand in hand in terms of recognizing, you know, before you're going to negotiation, what your objective is. So mm -hmm. by objective, I mean, trying to make that as smart as possible. So really defining what it is. So instead of going into a conversation saying, I want a pay rise, what pay rise do you want? Because I'm pretty sure if you got an extra dollar a year, that would count as meeting your objective, but that's probably not what you set out to achieve. It's probably right. three, 5% or, or perhaps even more. So I think it's establishing those objectives and having a really clear understanding understanding of what you're trying to achieve and again I mentioned the alternative so Batner is referred to in negotiations best alternative to a negotiated agreement so if you can't reach the agreement what is your best alternative and I think that's really important to consider to make sure you're not ever understanding yourself you're never just accepting an offer for the sake of accepting it if you have a better alternative on the table and you know for me that's where boundaries come in it's recognizing what am I trying to achieve what is my alternative and making sure that you don't accept anything that compromises those areas as well that you're making sure you have a real clear vision ahead of that conversation of what you're trying to establish and making sure you don't accept anything that doesn't achieve those objectives i love that such great tips and as many people know i'm i'm a huge boundaries person so <laughs> so it, it sounds like you know just really knowing yourself and what you are not willing to give up is is so key in this oh my goodness just so much great information and i know that you have so much more to offer on your website and social channels will you tell our listeners where they can go to further connect with you Absolutely. Well, I always love to hear from people in the different scenarios for negotiations. So you can reach me on LinkedIn. So there's a launch negotiation page and my name's Donna Hughes. You can reach me personally there. You can reach me on the website, which is launchnegotiation.com. And you can also reach me on Instagram, which is at launchneg um, for negotiations. So I would love to hear from any listeners uh, and to hear how they can use negotiation in their life too. I, I love it. This is so much fun. And this has made me just rethink my entire framework of how I view negotiations and how I can better show up for myself. So I am sure our listeners have had a lot of great takeaways as well. Donna, you have been a breath of fresh air. You are full of great tips and wisdom nuggets. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your light. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. Donna has the best energy and let's be real, the best accent too. <laughs> Donna is full of amazing tips and you'll gain more from her by connecting I've linked her website and social channels on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. And while you're getting social, be sure to follow and like the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're everywhere at MindBizLife. I'll see you back here on Friday for another episode of Fuel Your Life Friday. But until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.